What's up, everybody? So blessed to be here this morning. Let me tell you a story about faith. I uh, started coaching Logan's football team when he was in second grade. I uh, was assistant coach on that team for his second and third grade years. And then uh, his fourth grade year, the guy that had been coaching that team went on with his son to advance to be on the fifth and sixth grade team. So I became head coach of that team. Uh, we had a really good year. Uh, it was an awesome blessing to be able to coach those young men, to speak into their life, to see them you know, come together and compete really well. Then uh, the next year, when my son went on into the fifth grade, uh, I went with him and was going to coach on that, you know, in that that league. And we had enough kids to have two separate teams. And so the the head coach that had been there the year previous, who's a very good friend of mine, uh, proposed something to me. He was like, "Man, he said I'd really like to keep my kids together, uh, this sixth grade team, and kind of see what they can do." And um, so I was wondering if you would be willing. Uh, in order to, to let me do that, to let me have the sixth graders that I had last year, and if you would just take the kids you're bringing up and have like an all-fifth grade team and an all-sixth grade team, uh, they're going to compete in a league with mixed fifth and sixth grade teams. And I had to think on that really hard. I mean, I knew I was being railroaded a little bit. Thanks, John and Chili. I, I still love you guys. But, um, but, but, but I believed in these young men. I, I mean, I, I believed in them. And so after I thought about it and prayed on it, I went back to them, and I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Uh, let's go ahead and do it because I know that they can compete. You know, they may not win a lot of games, but, but I know that they have it within them to be able to compete. And I also know if we can make it through this turmoil, if we can make it through this kind of forging, uh, that the team that's going to come out the other side of this and play the next year is going to be incredibly dominant. And so that's what we did. And uh, I, I got these young men together the very first time, a bunch of fifth graders, man. And I, I got them together and I told them, I said, look, this year's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's always going to be a hill to climb. You're always going to be outmatched in speed. You're always going to be outmatched in strength. But I promise you this, if you will listen and you'll believe and then you'll go do it, you'll have success. If you'll listen to what I'm teaching you, if you'll believe in the things that we're instilling in you, and if then if you'll just take those and you'll go and you'll do it, then you will win. You will win games. I promise you you'll have success and you'll win. And they listened to what I was saying and they believed. And we went out there and we went to war. We went to war. We had our very first game against a really big, strong team. And we went out there and we played them hard. I mean, we came out the first kickoff and punched them right in the mouth. And we lost by an extra point. Now, of course, they put their 300-pound tackle in at running back and got that extra point, which is completely illegal. I'm still a little bitter about that. I won't lie. But it doesn't matter. The next game, we came out even stronger. We lost by like two touchdowns. They were starting to hang their heads a little bit. And I was like, look, guys, I haven't lied to you yet. I'm not lying to you now. If you will listen, if you'll believe, and if you'll go, then you'll have success. I promise you, you're going to win some games. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. It's never going to be easy for you. But I promise you, if you'll listen to me, if you'll believe in what I'm telling you, and if you'll go do it, that you will win. And so we went out there our third game. And we lined up our third game, and we went out on the field, and we lost again. And they were starting to get upset with me. And they were starting to have some doubts. I won't lie, we had even a few that quit after that game. After that third game, we had some that quit. But the ones that were left, I gathered them around, and I preached that same message to them over and over again. If you listen to what we're saying if you believe in what's being instilled in you, 
And then if you go do it, I promise that you'll have success. I haven't lied to you, and I'm not lying to you now. If you'll just do those things, you will be victorious. You will win. I promise you. And some doubted, but many believed. They believed, and they were unified in a common goal and a common purpose. And we came out there the fourth game of our season, and we won by like two touchdowns. I mean, we dominated the entire game. And then the next game after that, we came out on the field again, and we won again. And they were starting to get a little swagger. They were starting to get a little faith. And, and they came out the, the, the next game of the season, and we won again against our big rivals. Three games in a row, we put them down. They lined them up. We knocked them down because they listened and they believed and they had faith in what we were doing. And then they went out on the field, and they did it, and they had success. Then the next game we lost, and then the next game we won, and then the very last game of the season, we went out with high expectations. Because, see, if we could win that game, this last game, we could have a winning season as a bunch of fifth graders and embarrass a whole bunch of sixth grade kids and show the whole world that we are more than what they thought that we were. And so we went out and we played our, we played really hard. Played really hard. Left it all on the field. Went to war. Went to absolute war. And we came up short. And the kids cried, and I cried, and it was a very emotional moment. And as we gathered around the very last time of the, of the season, and they, they got on a knee there with me, and I said, look, I told you this was going to be hard. I told you that this was going to be a constant struggle. But I also told you if you listened, and you believed, and then you went and did it, that you'd win. Did you win? Yes, they won. Did you have success? Yes. Yes, they said we had success. Did I lie to you? No. They said, no, coach, you didn't lie. And I said, okay. Well, I'm going to tell you something else right now. If you'll come back this next year and you'll listen to the things that we tell you and you will believe in what we're instilling in you and then you'll go out it there on the field and you'll do it, not only will you win, you won't lose. And all of a sudden, their heads perked up. I said, that's right. I said what I said. If you'll listen and you'll believe and you'll go out there and do it, you will be undefeated next year. No one will beat you. And they got a little excited, got a little buzz going, got a little excitement stirred up. And then we prayed, and I let them go. And as I was walking off the field, my assistant coach was like, did you just tell them they were going to go undefeated next year? And I was like, I said what I said. And even when I got home, my wife was like, honey, did you tell them that they weren't going to lose any games next year? And I was like, yes, I did. And it sounds incredibly arrogant and prideful, doesn't it? Unless it's true. Let's pray. God, we come before you today just praising your holy name. We come before you worshiping you in spirit and in truth, knowing that you are exactly who you say that you are and that you're going to do exactly what you promised that you were going to do. And today, God, we will listen. Today, Jesus Christ, we will believe. And God, by the time this is over, I think we're going to be fired up enough that we're going to go and make it happen for you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, uh, amen.
Amen. Look, unity comes from a common goal. When we're unified for a common goal, we're willing to do what it takes to make that happen. And when we're unified with the Spirit that lives within us, uh, then we're on a team that can't lose. Because the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is unified with the Son that saved us. And the Son that saved us is unified with the Father that created us. And when we fall into that unity of Father and Son and Spirit, and we're on the same page, and we want the same thing that God wants, then we cannot lose. We cannot be defeated. No matter what the enemy of the world throws our way, there's nothing that they can do to hinder us. There's nothing that they can do to stop us. We cannot be beaten and we will emerge victorious in every situation that we find ourselves in because that uh, is what this thing is all about, man. When we're unified with God, we cannot lose. So what does God want? And I mean, what does God want? What is God's goal in this whole thing? It's real simple. It's in the book of John in chapter 6 and verse 39. It says, and this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. It's the will of God that all would be saved. It's the will of God that all would come to repentance. See, that's the, willing God, that's the will of God. And when you fall in line with the will of God, you cannot help but be victorious in the goal that he has set you to in your life. What could be more important in your life than following the plan and the purpose and the will that God has for you? What's more important in your life than telling the people that you love, the people that you know, maybe even the people that you don't know about Jesus, about the one that has saved us, about the one that redeemed us by his blood? What in your life is more important than living out the message of the gospel in your life? What is more important than telling people the story and telling people the, the truth and explaining to people the love and the power of Jesus Christ? Look, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to come up with something that's more important than that in your life. I'll tell you what you do. Make a list. Make a list of all the things in your life that are more important than you telling people about Jesus, than you telling people the gospel, than you explaining to people the love of God. Make a list of all the things in your life that are more important than that. And now look at that list. Look at the things that you've written down, and I'll show you your God. Because it's right there in black and white. If there's anything in your life that is more important than going into the world and telling people about Jesus. If there's anything in your life that is more important than the gospel mission that you as a disciple have been called to, then that is your God. And, and, and it may not be money or, or drugs or sex like some people say. It may be your family. It may be your children. It may be your job. It's probably yourself. If there's something on that list above Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there is nothing, nothing in your life that has more value, that has more meaning than for you to tell somebody, anybody, about Jesus about his love and his sacrifice and his resurrection. There is nothing in your life that could ever be more valuable than that. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew chapter 28. 
very famous little piece of scripture. I've never preached it well in my life, and I think that this is different. It says this, starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray one more time. God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving us a mission, and thank you for being with us as we go to complete that mission, God. We praise you, and we worship you, and we surrender this whole thing to you. It's in your name. Amen and amen. Man, let's give him a shout of praise, and then let's have a seat. <laughs> yep, all six and a half people in here are praising God like crazy. <laughs> the Bible says they went where he told them to go. They, he went, they went where he told them to go. And before he even gave them the commission, they automatically worshiped him. They, they went to where he was because he said, Go, they went. He, they did what he told them to do without even giving the commission to them. They automatically just obeyed Jesus in everything. Jesus says, go, disciples, go. Jesus says, says, speak, disciples, speak. Jesus says, do, disciples, do. Jesus says, stop, disciples, stop. Man, it's automatic obedience. Jesus says it, and we just make it happen. Because that's the kind of people that disciples are supposed to be. God speaks, we listen. God speaks, we listen. And the Bible says that they saw him and they worshiped him. That should be our automatic response anytime that we encounter Jesus Christ. We should just worship him. We should just fall and just worship him without there being any question, without there being any interaction besides just our worship and him receiving our worship. And some people may think, well, I've never seen Jesus. Man, yes, you have. Yes, you have. If you don't see him, you're not looking right because he is here, he's alive, he's well, he's in everything that happens. Man, we've seen people saved over the internet, man, all kinds lately. We've seen people healed and delivered and set free and the power of God's love is just flowing like crazy all over the place. Man, Jesus is alive and well. And if you want to see him, you need to look right. And then when you see him, the only proper response when we encounter our king is to worship him. The only response when we encounter our God is to worship him. But some doubted. Man, how could they doubt? How could they doubt this man was, was hanging on a cross and, and, and ripped to shreds and they shoved a spear in his side and, and blood and water came out. They saw him buried and he was in there for three days and now he's risen again. How could they doubt? Man, people are always going to doubt. It's, it's the human condition. People are always going to doubt. Even if we show them the proof, still they'll doubt. Even if we explain to them the truth, still They'll doubt, even if we present to them the way right out there in front of them. Still, people will doubt. 
You know, a while back they did a survey and they asked a bunch of atheists and agnostics, if we could prove to you the existence of God, if we could prove to you the resurrection of Christ, prove it without a shadow of a doubt, scientifically, would you worship him? And, of course, a huge percentage of them said no. See, it's, it's, the doubt is not a problem of the mind. It's not a problem of the intellect. It's a problem of the heart. See, if God is God, then we can't be God. If Jesus is God, then I don't get to be God. It's not that they don't believe in God. It's that they don't want there to be a God. But it doesn't matter what they want. God is who he is, and he does what he does, and he said what he said. And then so Jesus speaks to them. And he says, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All power. Not a little. Not some. Not even a whole lot. No, no, no. All power has been given to him. It's not just the world that he holds in his hands. It's all of existence. See, he has the power over life and death, over condemnation and forgiveness, over the wind and the waves, over the quantum mechanics that hold this whole universe together. He holds it all in his hands. See, he has all authority in and over and around everything in all existence. And he was saying this so that we would understand that if we get on his team, we can't lose. We can't lose. He's undefeated. Now, it might have looked like for a minute that he was going to be defeated. I mean, it might have looked like that for just a second. But see, victory with him is guaranteed. The disciples got disappointed for a while. They're like, oh, this guy that we thought was God got arrested. Oh, this guy that we thought was God got beaten. Oh, this guy that we thought was God got dead. But then you know what happened? He overcame all that. See, he might have been down in the fourth quarter, but it was the greatest comeback in all of history. When all the odds were stacked against him, when the, when the stone was rolled in his way, and still in overtime, Jesus Christ reigns supreme. And see, I know without a shadow of a doubt that when all the dust settles from this world and all the smoke of all this war and whatever clears that it's going to be Jesus Christ who reigns supreme. It's going to be Jesus Christ who stands in the middle victorious. And if we'll get on his team, then we'll win too. If we'll be unified with him for the purpose that he's laid out for us, then we will win too. Now that we've listened to what he has to say, now that we've believed that he has all authority. Now it's time to go. I mean, if you've listened to the word of God, if you've listened to the word of God, if you've believed the word of God, now it's time to go. It's time to do it. You see, that's the part that sometimes we don't comprehend. I think we don't live it out to the fullest. I mean, yeah, we sit in our church services and we listen to the Word and we hear the Word and then we may even believe the Word, but the Bible says not just to be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. And if you're hearers only, then we're missing part of it. And if we're hearers only, then we're not living out the calling that God has put on our lives. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's pretty clear. And yet most Christians don't wake up in the morning wondering, what can I do for God today? What, what is the mandate of God on my life today? No, instead we wake up in the morning going, man, I've got a big list of things I need to do today. I'll pray that God will help me accomplish what I want to accomplish 
And then all of a sudden, the creator of the universe becomes a means and not an end. He becomes a method and not a goal. We're crying out to God, oh God, I need to do this. If you would just help me accomplish what I want to accomplish. Like he's some kind of genie in a lamp. But that's not who my God is. He's not a genie. He's not. He is not a means. He actually literally is the end. My God says I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. He's not the method. He is the goal. So we need to get up out of bed every morning. Going, God, what would you have for me to do today? God, what would you have me to do today? Because what if God has something for you to do for the kingdom of God, and instead you waste your time doing what you want to do? What if you do? What if you waste it, man? What if there's something out there that God wants done that's depending on you to do it? What if there's someone out there that is depending on you to come and to share the gospel with them, to pray for them, to proclaim healing and deliverance and peace in their life? Man, what if God is relying on you to do something today? Man, you know, God has deemed you to be on earth right here, right now during all this madness. That means that he has a purpose for you right here, right now, in the middle of all this madness. A purpose, a specific purpose for you today. Today. God wants you to do something today. Man, I talk to people all the time. and They're like, oh, pastor, I just don't know what God's called me to do. And I'm still looking around. No, no, no. God has purpose for you here and now. God has something on your plate, on your list today. Man, you need to seek that out and find out what it is that he wants you to do. Man, what's the, God that, what's the purpose that God has on your life today? What's the purpose that God has on your life tomorrow? If you live for, you know, however many more weeks that this pandemic is going around, man, what's God's plan and purpose for you in the middle of this crazy outbreak that we're experiencing? What's God's plan for your life? What, what, what are you going to do with the rest of the life that God has given you, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the grace that God has poured out on you and given you in your life? Are you going to waste it doing what you want to do? Or are you going to surrender it and sacrifice it to make his will happen on the earth? Are you going to be like Jesus in the garden and say, Father, not my will, but your will. Be done. What are you going to do with the life that you have left? Sometimes we take things for granted, don't we? If anything good can come out of this madness that we're trapped in right now, I hope that it's this. That we will no longer take life for granted. That we'll no longer take the blessings that God has poured out on us for granted. Oh, how we would love to come together and, and, and worship as brothers and sisters in Christ joined physically in the church today. I, I know you guys would love to be here. I would love to have you here. I, I would love to be able to hear the amens and the hallelujahs and, and people that, that clap and praise his name. And I bet we, for at least for a while, we won't take that for granted. I hope we never do again, but I know that we won't at least for a while. I pray that we don't take anything that God has given us for granted ever again I hope that you don't take the purpose that he has in your life for granted. Even the breaths that we breathe are finite. They're numbered. They're numbered. You've only got so many left. 
Only so many times will you breathe in the breath of life and then breathe out what brings life to the, the plants and things in our world. Only so many times. Only so many times. What are you going to do with the breath that God has put in your lungs? You know, Jesus knew that his breaths were running out while he was hanging on the cross. And so he spoke what God would have him to speak in those moments. Guys, your breath is running out. Maybe you'll last another weeks or so, or maybe you'll last another decade, or maybe you'll last a hundred more years. I don't know, but at the same time, I know that there's a limit. Every single one has value. Every breath you breathe has value. If things are, are limitless, we don't see them as valuable, but they're not. They're not limitless. Don't waste them. Don't waste the breath in your lungs on nonsense. Don't waste it on evil. Don't waste it on sin. Don't waste it on selfishness. Man, use every breath in your lung for the glory of God, for His kingdom. Use them for His kingdom. I say this sometimes, man, I want every beat of my heart to be for God. I've only got so many of those left, too. My heart will only beat so many more times. There's a number. I don't know what it is, but God does. But every time that my heart beats and pumps blood through my body, it has value. It gives me life. Gives me life that I can serve Him with. Gives me life that I can pour out for Him. Man, don't let those beats of your heart be in vain. Don't let them be in vain. Use it for the kingdom. Go and make disciples. Every day, every moment, every breath, every beat of your heart, man, use it for the glory of God. John 17, 4, this is Jesus praying. And he says this, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Guys, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if in our final moments, whether it's in a hospital room or in a house or wherever it is, man, but, but in our final moments on this earth, that we could say the same to the Father. God, I brought you glory. I finished the work you gave me. Not the work that he gave someone else. The work that he gave you. And, and, and some people are saying, well, that'll never happen. We could never complete the work that God gave us. Paul writes to Timothy and says, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. I've been poured out like a drink offering. My time has come. It's possible. It is possible that you and me could have that moment with God to where we could say, Lord, it is finished. To where we could say, Lord, I did what you called me to do. And you don't have to do what he's called somebody else to do. You don't have to do what he's called me to do. And, and I don't have to do what he's called J.R. and Brent and, and Adam or, or Bobo or anybody or Carly and Mike to do. I don't have to do what they've been called to do. 
I just have to do what I've been called to do. I just have to do what he made me to do. And you just have to do what he made you to do. And then we can have that moment in our life where we can say, God, I brought you glory. God, I brought you glory because I finished the work that you gave me to do. And then on the other side of eternity, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And receive us in. Don't you want that? I know I do. How do we get there? By listening. By believing. And then by going to do the work that he has set before us. And how do we know that we can complete that mission? Because Jesus Christ says this. Surely I'm with you. Surely I'm with you. Did you know that he's with you? Did you know in everything that he's called you to do that he's with you? Every moment of every day, he's with you. And when we get up in the morning and say, Lord Jesus, what can I do for you today? Man, he's right there. Surely I'm with you even to the very end of the age. When we're united with him, we cannot lose. When we're united with each other, we cannot lose. When we emerge from this crisis, that's my brand new word, emergence. See, emergence in the scientific realm means when something comes out of a system that's greater than all the parts. Even quantum scientists refer to it as a miracle. Emergence. Expect to hear that a lot. When we emerge from this situation, when we emerge from our homes, when we emerge from our quarantines, we're going to be different. We're not going to be the church of old. We're going to be something brand new, forged in the fire. Pruned by the vine dresser. Stronger. More efficient. More effective than ever before. We're not going to emerge as the church of old. We're going to emerge as the body. As the body of Christ. Working together like a well-oiled machine. Overcoming the darkness. Sharing the love of Christ with a broken world. And from there, we're going to transition into a kingdom. A kingdom filled with light and love. A kingdom that cannot be overcome. And nothing can stop us except us. See, that, that undefeated sixth grade football team that I had, I told them this all the time. The other team can't beat you. The other team can't beat you. The only team that can beat you is you. And I still tell them that today because I believe in them. And you know what, church? I believe in you too. The enemy can't beat you. The enemy can't beat you. You know why? Because the enemy stands no chance against our God. It's not an even playing field. I don't like it when people act like there's a competition there because there's not. The enemy cannot overcome our God. 
And the enemy can't overcome you. The only one that can beat you is you. That's why it's so important for us to listen and to believe and to go. Because if we do, we will win. If we do, victory is guaranteed. If we do, we will not be overcome. And that statement sounds incredibly arrogant. Unless it's true. And it is. It's true. It's true. If we'll go after God with everything that we have, we can't be stopped. We can't be defeated. We can't be overcome. Why does God have you on earth during this time? Why now? Why you? Acts 13, 36 says this. For David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep, means he died, and was buried with his fathers and decayed. Even King David, after his purpose for the Lord was over, passed on. So if you're here now, if you have faith in your heart and breath in your lungs, then you have purpose in the kingdom. If you've got faith in your heart, and breath in your lungs, then you have purpose. We are the church, and it's time for us to rise up and live out the purpose that God has laid on our hearts. Listen to Him. Believe in Him. And then go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that He has taught us. Because church, He is with us. He is with us until the very end. So right now, let's pray. Right now, let's pray maybe like we've never prayed before. Right now, let's cry out to God. Let's cry out to God that we would surrender everything that we are to Him. Let's cry out to God that we'll wake up in the morning saying, God, what can I do for you today? And then we'll go to bed at night saying, God, I served you as best I could today. And that with every breath of our lungs will breathe for Him. With every beat of our heart we'll live for Him. Let's pray and then let's just lift our hands in worship and let's just pray that He'll make us a house of prayer and that our fire will burn forever. God, we come to You. We come to You bringing all that we have. God, I come with the little bit of life that I have left surrendered and sacrificed to you. 
God, I pray that we'll wake in the morning saying, God, what can I do today? God, I pray that we'll go to bed at night saying, God, thank you for allowing me to serve you today. God, I pray we'll live for you and die for you. God, I pray that at the end, God, that we will be able to say, I brought you glory because I finished the work that you gave to me. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit more and more and more. Fill us with your Spirit, God. Help us to shine in this darkness with your glory. Inhabit our praises. Empower our service. And by your grace, we will live for you. Make us a house of prayer, God. Make us a temple of your spirit, God. Make us the purveyors of your gospel, God. And Lord, let's go undefeated together. In Jesus' name.